Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Travelosophy. I'm Jade Jackson, and each episode I'll be sharing true, entertaining, and uplifting anecdotes from years of travel that taught me many important lessons in life. Right now, it's never been cheaper to travel, but I kind of feel that travellers have become more concerned about getting that perfect Instagram shot rather than celebrating what is unique about being in another country and the experiences that come with that. Just to give you some background about me, don't worry, I won't bore you with my whole life story, but pretty much my whole life has been filled with travel. When I was 11, my mum wanted to take me out of school to travel for a year. She's a teacher and simply wrote to the Department of Education stating that I'd learn more life skills whilst travelling compared to a year in the classroom. And there was no objection, which makes you wonder about the school system. My initial reaction was, hurrah, no school for a year. But on hearing we were travelling overland, I couldn't help but imagine us clinging onto the outside of pack trains, like something from India, sucking in our stomachs as we passed through tunnels so we wouldn't get knocked off. She also mentioned we'd stay at youth hostels. I'd never experienced a hostel, but I was certain it was going to be a stained mattress on a bare cement floor with water dripping from the ceiling, riddled with cockroaches. After much convincing, I was assured that we'd be travelling mostly on planes and any transport would have a seat. After scrimping and saving for more than a year, it was finally time to go. As we were packing, my mum insisted I carry a maths textbook to remind me I was essentially being homeschooled, except that home was wherever we slept that night. On our first morning away, we were in Singapore. I woke up early, jet-lagged and in tears. I was homesick. I'd had enough. I wanted to go home. And we hadn't even been away for 24 hours yet. You have to remember, I was only 11. I was still worried about the future beds we'd sleep in. Our first accommodation was a four-star hotel, which was a Christmas present from my grandparents. So before we flew home, mum insisted we at least look at our next accommodation, which I hesitantly agreed to. Luckily, the hostel was run by a lovely young woman who talked about all the activities they ran, like movie night, games night, and everyone we met who was staying there was really friendly. I think probably a day at the Singapore Science Museum, and probably an ice cream sweetened the deal. So eventually I agreed to continue our travels, because of course I was the boss. Our next destination was Thailand, where I had a traumatic experience. I cut my foot, which required four stitches. I was again ready to head home, but... I was assured that our next destination, Hong Kong, would be more like home with McDonald's, Pizza Hut and KFC. It's amazing how easy food becomes a bargaining tool when travelling. Needless to say, it worked. And as a surprise, my grandparents had flown to Hong Kong to meet us. After six weeks in Hong Kong, I still missed home, but life was way more exciting travelling around the world. From here, our trip continued on to China, where I climbed the Great Wall, Taiwan, where I ate in a dinosaur-themed restaurant, Japan, where I had my first Disney experience, before we spent six months in Europe jumping on and off trains with a Ural and Britrail pass. And not once did we have to hang on to the outside of a train. Some trains even had beds. In that year away, I learned to read maps, navigate city streets without GPS, figure out public transport, mentally calculate foreign exchanges, speak multiple foreign languages, including ordering food and bartering at markets, which I still remember today, Avez-vous un fromage fumé, s'il vous plaît? Which is, have you got some smoked cheese, please? I saw snow for the first time in Norway in a village called Hell. I got my first pimple in Switzerland after eating too much Toblerone. And I took my first solo bus trip in London to buy fish and chips. 
all valuable lessons, but it was the values instilled within me that had the biggest impact. Travelling taught me that people are inherently friendly, generous and welcoming. I had first-hand experience that other races, religions and customs, whilst different to my own, certainly didn't hate or fear us because we were different. Returning to school in Australia after a year of travel was a huge adjustment, not just because I went straight into high school, but because I'd spent the year with mostly adults who treated me as an adult. By the time I finished high school, most of my friends were talking about university, but all I could think about was travel. In order to save enough money for my next trip, I took any available shift in my local supermarket and ate nothing but two-minute noodles and bananas for a year, spending no more than $2 a day on food. This time my plan was to travel solo through Europe and North America. Returning broke nearly a year later, I chased the idea that somewhere existed a magical job that would pay me to travel. In pursuing this magical perfect job, I've actually inadvertently filled my life with travel, including working on a cruise ship sailing the South Pacific, running a travel agency, teaching English in Japan, teaching travel and tourism in New Zealand, and I also managed the e-commerce accounts for iconic New Zealand tourism operators, before finally creating my current role as a freelance writer, photographer, and now podcaster. And each job allowed me to see a different part of the world. I've now been around the world five times, I've travelled to over 55 countries, but if it wasn't for the bravery and perseverance of my mum insisting that I'd learn and grow more from a year of travel than a year of school, then I wouldn't be where I am doing what I love. All that travel helped make me more respectful, tolerant and understanding. I'm less materialistic and travel has taught me there's little to fear in the world despite what is generated through media. Now that travel is cheaper than ever, I think it's become overlooked at what a privilege it is to travel and explore other countries and interact with different cultures. So what this podcast will feature is uplifting and inspiring stories about travel from myself, I'll be interviewing other travellers, and eventually I'd like to include stories from podcast listeners. So enough about me, here's a taster story to get you excited about episode two. There's been three occasions that stand out to me desperately arriving in a city without accommodation booked to find there were no vacancies anywhere. First time was in Ireland. There was five big concerts on in Dublin the same night. I can't remember exactly who it was, but it was like ACDC, Robbie Williams, Elton John, Bon Jovi. Like it was insane. The whole country was booked out. So after ringing around to every B&B, the tourist office suggested I catch a bus to an outer suburb of Dublin near the airport, which is where I needed to be the next morning and go door knocking on each B&B in case they had something available. It wasn't a foolproof plan, but it gave me hope, at least that I wouldn't have to sleep in the airport. After knocking on several red, blue, green and black doors, because all front doors are a different colour in Dublin, so drunk husbands would find their way home apparently, I was advised by a B&B that his neighbour used to run a B&B, and so she had a spare room. So here I am, backpack on, tired... It's late in the afternoon and I knocked on a stranger's door asking to sleep the night. She was a little apprehensive, understandably, because her daughter was having a bunch of friends sleep over. But I assured her I would stay in my room, I'd be gone by the morning and after looking me up and down and clarifying that I was indeed just a stranded Aussie backpacker and I had money to pay for a room, she finally agreed. Coincidentally, the same trip a few weeks later, I arrived in Amsterdam around 5pm on a Friday afternoon. I was flying out early the next morning and just figured I'd grab a bed in a hostel and catch a train to the airport the next morning. Rookie mistake. 
Amsterdam is of course busiest from Friday to Sunday when plane loads of English lads fill the streets on Bucks weekends, football celebrations and without much need for an excuse to get drunk. The first five youth hostels I inquired with were all booked solid. Down a laneway I found one hostel which was within a bar which had a bed available. Thinking this was my only option I paid 40 euros up front and walked up three flights of stairs with my backpack to find an attic stinking of cigarette with six single beds, all unmade, with sheets that looked filthy, lined up adjacent to each other. There was a guy passed out on the couch wearing only white undies, and another passed out on a bed. It was only then I noticed needles sticking out of their arms, and rubber tourniquets tied around their biceps. I took a step back, looked around, and there were cigarette butts put out directly on beds. Used needles, broken bottles littered the floor, and pizza boxes full of mouldy remains. Apparently this hostel was more of a smack den. It was like exactly what I imagined a hostel to be when I was a kid. And this was my absolute worst nightmare. I didn't feel comfortable leaving my dirty clothes here for fear they would be stolen and sold, let alone sleeping amongst all this. So I turned and left. I didn't care if I lost my money, there was no way I was sleeping there. Luckily the bar owner couldn't care less and gave me my money back. I stepped outside. By now the sun had set and the streets were filled with drunken English lads. I then decided maybe I could afford a cheap hotel if it meant just getting a clean bed instead of walking around Amsterdam lugging my backpack, which weighed at least 30 kilos. The first hotel wanted 250 euros for a dark and tiny single room with no bathroom. I was getting desperate, but not that desperate yet. The second hotel wanted 500 euros for a family room. I tried to argue that the room should be cheaper as I'm only using one bed, but to no avail. At the time, 500 euros was more than a week's wage. I was only a first-year travel agent, so I couldn't fathom spending that on one night's accommodation, especially considering I had to be up early the next morning to catch a flight to New York. I passed several booking agencies, and each one said the same thing. Sorry, no accommodation available. I'd now been walking around carrying my backpack for close to four hours, and I was considering just heading straight to the airport but I was supposed to meet up with a friend later that night who was also in Amsterdam for one night. So I tried one last booking agency. Pleading with her, I said, how can a whole city have zero accommodation when there's no special event on? It's ridiculous. There must be something. I'm not fussy, just a clean bed for under 200 euros. Anything has to be better than sleeping at the airport. Eventually she said, well, I do have one bed for 40 euros, but... It's on a boat. A boat? 40 euros? I'll take it. I paid my money and wandered along the river looking for Dock 7, half expecting there to be no boat, thinking it must have been a scam to rip off desperate tourists. So I was quite surprised when I arrived at Dock 7 to find a 70-foot wooden sailing ship docked. I walked up the gangway, a bit scared I'd topple over into the river with my backpack, when a middle-aged blonde woman appeared and said, You must be Jade. Welcome. She led me to my cabin, a whole cabin just for myself. It was small, but I had a comfy clean bed on a ship docked in Amsterdam, which included home-cooked breakfast for 40 euros. Later on, I met up with my friend, and as the night wore on, I was getting tired, and I said, do you want to come back to my ship? What girl is ever going to say no to that? We stayed up late playing checkers. True story, no euphemisms. And the next morning, the train station, which would take me straight to the airport, was directly opposite the dock. So, with much perseverance, I ended up with a cheap, lovely bed right where I needed. I've had similar experiences in Taiwan, where I ended up sleeping in a hospital, 
in Iceland where I was the only person in an entire hostel because it'd been otherwise locked up for the winter. So lesson learnt, it's always less stressful to have accommodation booked before you arrive, except in Hanoi, but that's a whole other story. But even if you don't have something booked, perseverance, a friendly smile, and patience will get you something in the end. So thank you for listening. If you have any feedback, then please tweet me, jdickensjackson, or visit my website, jadejackson.com.au. That's J-A-D-E-J-A-C-K-S-O-N.com.au. Thanks again for listening to Travelosophy with Jade Jackson. Bye-bye now.